Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order off their unique selection of protein bars and nutritional supplements. On tonight's episode, we are going to be recapping some more hockey playoff action, and we will be starting with the uh, Vancouver Canucks versus the St. Louis Blues, which I actually think is a really interesting even series. Of the, uh, I guess, opening round games that we've seen so far, St. Louis and Vancouver, for me, was one of the more unknowns because Vancouver, coming into the postseason picture, was not a particularly great team. The Canucks are definitely not like Jets lotto bad or anything like that, but I would say that they're more middle of the pack when they're at their best, and and sometimes they can be pretty decent, but for the most part, they were lagging towards the back of the uh, of the NHL's front runners as far as like high end play, driving ability, defensive structure, and a couple of other metrics were concerned. Like the Jets, though, you know, the the Canucks were really riding high on this whole offensive output from guys like Elias Pettersson, uh, Quinn Hughes, and then some really fantastic goaltending from Jacob Markstrom. So here was kind of an interesting recipe for, I wouldn't say an upset, but what could be a challenging matchup for the St. Louis Blues. The Blues, for their part, are a strong team overall. I think that they have a lot of really skilled, really talented depth. They've got a really tight defensive structure. Their goaltending, while not exactly spectacular, is usually enough to get them through the hardest times. I think that Bennington and Allen are are fine enough. I mean, like, most of them are are league average when they're on their best. But typically, the Blues aren't surrendering all that much to really test either of those goaltenders. So, you know, Bennington probably shouldn't have had that much to worry about coming into the series. What actually transpired was notably different. Vancouver really played a a, a very strong, well-rounded game. Offensively, I thought the Canucks had some really nice counters. I felt like they got into the dangerous slot areas. And then generally speaking, I thought that the top six for Vancouver just absolutely gashed uh, all of St. Louis' structures and their breakout attempts. In terms of offensive performances, this was probably one of the more complete games I've seen from the Canucks in a long time. And like, I wouldn't say that, you know, it's it's super surprising because we do know that some other players can really turn on the Jets and put on a, a show. And I mean, we're talking about Petrosian, uh, Hughes, of course. They've also got a couple of you know, more talented players like Bo Horvat, Tanner Pearson, guys who are, are really solid offensive performers. But I think even to this level, I don't think I was expecting some of the early returns that we saw from just how good and how dominant Vancouver was at stretches of this game. What's kind of interesting is that if you look at the uh, the natural stat trick report for this game, you kind of saw that St. Louis over time started to claw more and more into this game and actually pushed the play at uh, a couple of late stages especially after Vancouver had the lead. Uh, that first period, though, was pretty open-ended and pretty chaotic. I think Jacob Markstrom had to be pretty sharp, not because St. Louis was consistently getting to really dangerous areas. It was more like they would have to break pressure and go on a really fast counter, and sometimes Vancouver's looser defensive organization left them a little bit more exposed. Overall, though, we saw some really standout individual performances from Vancouver skaters, and I think, you know, guys like uh, Elias Petrosian with a nice power play goal, Bo Horvat with an incredible individual effort to basically tear apart jock straps on guys like Vince Dunn, and of course, Hughes and Markstrom doing their thing on the back end, just a really well-rounded performance. It wasn't the kind of game where you thought that Vancouver got lucky. It legitimately felt like they earned it, and there were some, you know, sentimental moments that I think everyone kind of felt proud of. Troy Stetcher scoring a goal and pointing up to the ceiling in memory of his dad who he lost earlier this year. 
it was the kind of a start to the series that I don't think anyone could have asked more from, especially if you're a Canucks fan. From St. Louis's perspective, I just felt like even though the underlying numbers look okay for this game, I felt like they just really weren't in control at any point, much like they usually like to be. You know, St. Louis is a team that tends to score and maintain control of the lead and handle things in their manner of shutting it down, being very physical, and just generally being a strong team that's incredibly hard to get the puck off of. Ryan O'Reilly was one of the few standout players who just kind of kept possession of the puck and basically outshot whatever line he was matched against for the Canucks. The problem for the Blues is that they were trying to get to, uh, I think, Vancouver's disciplinary record, and it really wasn't working. You know, Perron was taking a lot of cheap shots. Uh, There were a lot of between-the-whistle kind of physical plays. Quite a few penalty minutes assessed, but generally speaking, I don't think Vancouver took too many undisciplined minors of the sort where they were going to fall prey to what the Blues were trying to do. Vancouver just sort of seemed to absorb their lumps and kind of play it safe and be patient. I think that the Blues thought that they were going to be able to psychologically win the battle, and the Canucks just didn't really seem like they were taking the bait. It sets up an interesting rematch tomorrow because I feel like Vancouver overall is a little bit, I I guess, the underdog in this series. You're talking about a reigning Stanley Cup champ in the Blues who have like an immeasurably better squad on paper. Lots of depth, really strong defensive metrics, very good attackers who can sink quite a few goals on you very quickly, especially if you start taking undisciplined minors. That said, I don't know. I just felt like their performance yesterday was lacking, and it's going to be interesting to see if they rebound and put together a much stronger showing tomorrow. I think Vancouver has a a decent chance of coming out on on top of the series if they play like they did in the first game. One thing they are going to have to work on is is trying to limit the amount of chaos in Markstrom's crease. That was one thing that I think probably drove up the high-danger scoring opportunities for the Blues. Vancouver's uh, low-slot defense was not perfect, which is not surprising, they don't really have a, a really high-end blue line core, and their uh, their other skaters don't tend to be super effective in defensive coverage, which, if you're scoring goals and being productive in other areas of the ice, not as big of a concern. That said, especially late in the game, Markstrom was definitely tested, and it got a little bit dicey as the game wore on. But overall, I think Vancouver did exactly what it needed to do. I was pretty impressed with their team's performance, and it was a hard-earned win. It wasn't one that was cheap. It didn't feel like Vancouver just lucked their way through it. I think the Canucks put together a legitimately strong performance, and if they win this series, I wouldn't be shocked. On St. Louis's end, I think that they need to be a little bit cleaner in their game and, and try to go for more offensive opportunities where they can take higher danger shots and really get more cross-seam movement. That's something that Markstrom is usually very good at shutting down, but those seams are open because I don't think the Canucks' D is particularly effective at shutting down those passing lanes. If the Blues can open up those lanes more and get guys like Tarasenko and Schwartz going, which, you know, Schwartz had a really nice breakaway goal last night, I think that the Blues are going to have a much stronger outing throughout the rest of the series. Up next, we'll preview and review some of the other games that have happened today, including Columbus versus Tampa Bay, Boston versus Carolina, and a little bit of a live look into the Calgary versus Dallas Stars game. This opening playoff round has seen quite a few surprising outcomes, and a lot of the teams that are coming back for another game today or tomorrow have had to reset and relaunch. And just like the NHL teams, Built Bar is also relaunching under their brand new formula and expanded product line. You've heard me talk about Built Bar before because I very much enjoy the texture and flavors that they offer. If you've never had a Built Bar before, the best way I could probably describe it is something between like a chocolate candy bar mixed with a protein bar. The original version had around 12 different flavors, but now they've added six new flavors including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, 
lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Built Bars are even lighter, fluffier, and more chocolatey than ever, but still as healthy as ever, featuring anywhere from 17 to 19 grams of protein, 200 or less calories, around 5 grams of sugar, and around 5 grams of net carbs. The one-two punch of high protein, high fiber, low sugar, and low calories makes Built Bars perfect for a keto diet as well as snacks, pre-workout supplements, and meal replacements. Right now you can get a free cooler with your purchase, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Today's NHL action had more day and afternoon games as well as a couple of evening matchups, and I have to say that today's action definitely did not disappoint. The opening night of games was pretty crazy even though it was more than uh, what we all probably were bargaining for because of how long some of the games went, specifically uh, Columbus versus Tampa Bay. So you were probably wondering, you know, if Columbus and Tampa Bay were going to go at it again, did they go to overtime a second game in a row? Surprisingly, the answer to this one is no, and what ended up happening was that Pierre-Luc Dubois and Jonas Corposalo basically uh, held together just long enough for the Columbus Blue Jackets to earn a 3-1 lead against a very good, very dangerous, and really potent Tampa Bay Lightning team. Tampa Bay got on the board pretty early and was definitely applying most of the pressure, and it took Columbus a while to find their skating legs. I think it really says a lot that the Blue Jackets were able to kind of collect and and pull themselves together enough to score an equalizing goal and continue to try and generate opportunities off the counter as much as possible, even though, again, they're they're pretty exhausted. I mean, they've played a lot of hockey within the last seven calendar days, and their last game earlier in the week was about two and a half games worth of hockey action. So I would expect at this point that the Blue Jackets were pretty much dead on their feet, but somehow they continued to find energy. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that Jonas Corposalo was so good. You know, the Blue Jackets definitely got a couple of nice slot opportunities, but Tampa Bay, I would say, was definitely the team with the edge in this game. They were faster, more consistently generating slot offense, and of course, Tampa Bay also has some of the best goal scorers and really attackers in the entire league. That said, what we saw today was some surprising outcomes because we saw Pierre-Luc Dubois just put on an absolute masterclass, especially on the opportunities that he combined to create two nice assists on. His passes near the net and below the goal line were absolutely sublime, and I was very much impressed with the way that he was able to dictate offensive terms, especially from really sharp angles in areas of the ice where you typically don't see Columbus scoring. Both of his passes were very pretty passes, and I especially like the one to Bjorkstrand that was, I think, a behind-the-back pass almost, uh, almost like a drop pass that found Bjorkstrand coming in trailing towards the slot area on his own, and it was just a perfect goal. I really think that Columbus earned that one the hard way, and it was, a you know, usually Columbus kind of goes for a lot of greasier goals and stuff, but this was a nice, elegant display, and it proves that, again, the Blue Jackets, you really can't take the foot off the gas against them. This is a team that just continues to scrap for every ounce that they have, and they are a very hard team to knock off and really, I don't know, break the spirit of would probably be the way that I would phrase it. Because you think about what happened in the previous game and how long it went, and then to lose on an extremely fluky but still skilled play from Braden Point in fifth overtime, you know, after all the, the hockey that they've had to endure over the past couple of weeks, you'd think maybe Columbus wouldn't have it today. Instead, Jonas Corposalo was again amazing, and he just continues to save so many goals above expectation to a point where I don't even know if he uh, if, if he does it again next year, he'll be a Vezina finalist for sure. Corposalo was one of the biggest difference makers alongside Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I was very impressed with his overall performance. You know, I didn't watch the full game, I didn't have a whole lot of time just because I was still on the uh, on the clock for my actual job. But the portions I was able to see, I thought that Corposala was outstanding, and that's just been the theme of this series so far. You know, even though they lost the first game, 
Corpus Allo was absolutely ridiculous in that opening night where he had to face like 88 or 90 shots, I think it was. Tampa Bay, I think, is not really in any danger. They're just going to keep on plugging away as they always have. The Lightning are a fantastic team. They don't really get discouraged. And I think that even though they got swept by Columbus last year, it's not going to happen again. Obviously, that outcome is impossible because they've already won at least one game. But I think the bigger story of the series is that last year, Columbus was able to seal off neutral zone entries and really disrupt Tampa Bay's outbreaks. That's not really been the case this year. Columbus is not able to clog up that neutral zone area, and what the Blue Jackets basically have to do is collapse and, and really defend that slot area in their own end and just sort of pray and hope that uh, the Lightning don't score. Columbus has a- adopted the Bob Hartley approach of sitting pretty deep inside their own zone and trying to just counter off of that, which the Jets have tried to do before, but they don't really have the personnel to do that just because they don't really have many puck-carrying defensemen who are able to smoothly transition out of defense and into the neutral and offensive zones. I wouldn't say that Columbus is particularly well-equipped to do this kind of stuff, but they've been able to do it thus far, and I think they have some underrated performers in guys like Ryan Murray, David Savard, um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, of course. Cam Atkinson, when he's healthy, is pretty decent. Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski can also be effective in certain situations. But when it comes down to it, the MVP of this series is absolutely going to be Jonas Corposalo. He He's putting on the kind of performance where... You know, wherever they go, I, I think if they advance further into the postseason, he's like a Conn Smythe favorite. If he had been this good in the regular season and had played as much as Hellebuck had, he'd definitely be in the Vesna Trophy running, but I also don't think he would be quite as good as he is now. The amount of rest and recuperation and training he's been able to enjoy while essentially waiting for hockey to resume might have been a really big benefit to this Blue Jackets team that's going to be tested, especially stamina-wise. This postseason is a sprint from an almost standstill, so it's going to be a really intense, really weird situation, which I don't think the Blue Jackets are exactly used to. No one is, for that matter. But it's going to be even crazier for some of these goalies who haven't seen as much action as some of the other NHL starters. Overall, though, I think Columbus can be happy with how they've answered in this second game, and I think that this is setting up to be a really fun series. And I, I'm really rooting for the Blue Jackets to pull the upset and do something really fun and just go, kind of go on a deep run. I don't know. There's something about this squad that feels special, and there's a few teams that are like that this postseason. I always like the underdogs and rooting for them if my own teams are not in. And Columbus definitely has some pretty crazy uphill battles to contend with. Up next, we'll recap a very interesting overtime win from the Golden Knights over the Chicago Blackhawks and some of the action between the Bruins and Carolina Hurricanes, as well as some early updates from... Uh, Calgary versus Dallas. If you're thirsting for some more in-depth recaps from some of our other experts across the entire NHL, be sure to check out our whole family of Locked On NHL podcasts. We've got uh, podcasts for pretty much every team in the league, including Flames, Stars, Bruins, Caps, Islanders, you name it. We've probably got a podcast for it, so be sure to check them out. They have a lot of great insights into these teams, as well as some really cool interviews and some great coverage of the bubble hockey playoffs. For my part, I'm going to keep giving you some nice cursory insight into these games and the bits that I've been able to see. And I think this uh, this next one between the Chicago Blackhawks and Golden Knights did not quite go as I expected. Golden Knights actually had the early lead in this game and for the most part looked to be doing pretty okay. Chicago is one of those teams that's not exactly defensively resolute and they have a hard time getting out of their own zone. That said, every time the Golden Knights scored, Chicago just seemed to have an answer from somewhere, and a lot of the plays were spectacular plays from some of their star veterans, guys like Kane, and then some of the younger players like Stroman, Kubalik. 
Chicago is one of those teams that's very annoying. And, you know, in this game, they didn't really have a whole lot of activity from either team, especially in, in shots on goal. But ultimately, the plays that were the uh, setups were pretty spectacular or maybe a lucky bounce here and there for somebody like Mark Stone. Just kind of an odd game. Uh, you know, the, the Golden Knights are a very strong team, and I have them as cup favorites, but for some reason they just keep conceding a ton of goals in the second period. I think one of the Vegas accounts said that they had, like, 12 goals in five second periods throughout this postseason, which, if you're the Golden Knights, that's just not acceptable. I, of course, say this as a Jets fan who was also used to my team giving up lots of second period goals. For some reason, the Jets just seem to do that, especially late in periods but Vegas is obviously a lot closer to cup contender than the Jets are at this stage. The Knights, though, are still pretty darn good and ended up pulling it out of the fire. I think it was Riley Smith or Jonathan Marchessault, one of those two who had the game-winning goal in the overtime. Darn the Panthers for giving uh, that stupid Knights team like a ton of talent for nothing, man. What a, what a coup that was. Speaking of very fun, talented teams, Carolina managed to claw back in the series against the Boston Bruins, winning a pretty tight game that was... Honestly, not quite as eventful as you'd expect. I think most of the excitement probably happened on what Carolina expected to be a go-ahead goal, I believe, in the third period, and it actually got waved off. The VAR said it was, I think, a goalie interference or something. I don't know. Kind of weird. But Carolina squeaked out a 3-2 win, despite the fact that their scoring opportunities occasionally were, were definitely there. They were able to get into that slot area, but I think the Bruins were just very funny about letting them into the central area right in front of Tuka Rosk. So it seemed like the Canes were taking a lot more distant shots or shots from sharper angles. Boston had a, a really tough time getting into the low slot area. Most of their shots were from the point. But of course, they had a couple of power play opportunities and, you know, Marchand was able to convert on one and I think somebody else converted on the other. You know, the Bruins were without Pasternak, but that's still a very deep, dangerous squad, so you can't really take them for granted. That said, the Bruins ultimately fell victim in the last couple of minutes to a Dougie Hamilton slap shot. Hamilton definitely announced his return in this one, and I'm sure Canes fans are very happy to see number 19 skating, healthy, and scoring, because that's some of the best stuff that he does aside from his ability to dominate possession of the puck. The final game of the evening is uh, ongoing right now, actually. Calgary versus Dallas. We're almost at the end of the first period, and, and Calgary won the first game in pretty convincing fashion. This game is a bit interesting. I mean, du Dylan Dubé, who's been like an unholy terror throughout the entire postseason, actually had his fourth goal to start this period like the first 20 or 30 seconds but the rest of this period has definitely been all Dallas I think Tyler Sagan had the opening tying goal for the Stars and then uh, Miro Heiskinen had another goal I think on a, a pretty decent breakaway opportunity or something and Dallas just keeps applying a lot of pressure in waves of succession it seems like Calgary's having a lot of trouble breaking this four check from the Stars which this is one of those things that I thought Dallas would be a really dangerous opponent against the Jets I actually think Calgary and Dallas have a really similar a depth countering system. A lot of their lines are able to play a really rapid north-south game, uh, especially once they're transitioning between zones, which is one of the things that the Jets really weren't going to be able to handle well, especially if guys like Dylan Dubé stepped up. Dallas is kind of doing the same thing to them right now and is actually getting a late period power play right before the whistle, so we'll see if they actually manage to score on this, but Dallas looks like they're up for a nice response. I thought that the series might be kind of close. I mean, Dallas hadn't won a game uh, in this entire postseason picture yet, not even during the round robin, but I would not count the stars out. This is a dangerous team. 
I think that they match up really well against the Flames, and it'll be interesting to see how they play out the rest of this evening. That'll do it for tonight's episode. Be sure to check out our Locked On NHL National podcast hosted by Sir Evan Pato for uh, lots of stories around the league, and then be sure to check out the rest of our NHL podcast family from Locked On for even more deeper insights into the actual playoff games themselves. Hope all you fine folks are staying healthy and, uh, you know, enjoying these game recaps. I'll have more of them throughout the rest of the postseason, especially as we kind of near... I guess these early opening stages are pretty crazy, man. Lots of stuff going on. But for more live impressions, be sure to follow me at HL Living Loco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.